Hey guys, and welcome to the next episode of the Shane Walsh Podcast. So today's episode is a very, very different episode. So today's episode is with Dr. Dara Stewart. So Dr. Dara Stewart is PhD qualified. He is the owner and co-founder of Inward Bound and a scientific lead facilitator. So I'm here to, on this episode, to pick his brain about all things psychedelics, including the positive effects and benefits of plant medicine for healing, what are psychedelics, we talk about the, the kind of like the main elements of them, helping what actually happens in the brain, the culture, is culture changing? We talk about his retreats. As a scientist, Dara is keen to kind of cut through the, the kind of spirituality and kind of talks about the experiences and what can happen when you go through an experience with psych, uh, psychedelics. And he talks about his own tra- trauma, his own upheaval, and his own therapies and practices behind it. He also works with and is passionate about working with men through times of struggle and change. And I think this is one of these times that a lot of people are struggling, unfortunately. But the big thing that I want to say is this episode does not outdo or does not replace medical advice. You need to go to your doctor. You need to go to your therapist. You need to go to whatever. This episode is more of a chat about the use of psychedelics and their uses and their possibilities but this does not outweigh or outdo any medical advice that can be given and Dara has said that himself this was more an open chat about more mental health and society and all that kind of element of it so it is important to realize that this is not to replace medical treatment or medical or psychological impacts on people's lives so I hope you guys enjoy the episode with Dr. Dara Stewart. Dara how are we sir? Yeah, really well. Uh, thanks for having me on, Shane. No worries at all. Dara, I'm going to get you to give us a very, very quick background to your how you got into this realm. I know I gave you a quick intro off air. How you got into this realm and what you're up to now and what's kind of coming ahead for yourself. Yeah, and uh, so how I really got into this work is kind of like a, my, my own personal kind of uh, journey of suffering, so to speak. Uh, you know, my early, early 20s, I've, I've talked about this a good bit that I suffer from depression and uh, anxiety. I was in the middle of my PhD studies and uh, my grandmother died and I uh, broke up with my my partner at the time. We were in a long-term uh, relationship. And those kind of things really, really shook me and I, I got into kind of a, a bit of a funk. Um, and, you know, I didn't see it as depression at the time because, you know, whatever, 10 years ago, people weren't really talking about depression and anxiety. I just, you know, was kind of just getting on with it. <clears throat> But uh, things got kind of really bad for me. I had no motivation, couldn't get out of bed in the morning, was using alcohol as a crutch and, you know, drinking more and more, uh, suppressing my feelings. Um, and I kind of got into a really dark space uh, and kind of had this dark night of the soul where one day I was kind of like, oh, like I need to really do something about this. So this kind of sent me on a personal development and, and kind of spiritual journey. I started meditating and going to yoga um, and one thing for me is uh, I started to get a lot of physical pains in my body, uh, specifically in my hips and my legs. And these are really quite, quite excruciating. So my kind of suffering was uh, manifesting as this kind of these pains. You know, I felt like I had the hips of like a 60 year old. And, you know, I was quite a athletic guy and a strong guy at the time, worked out. Uh, so I started to get a lot of uh, physical therapy and um, physio and uh, massage. And I really benefited a lot from the massage. I had a really great practitioner at the time who was also felt like a therapist at the time too. Uh, so then I trained as a massage therapist in the evenings uh, while doing my PhD. 
and started to get into really holistic health and kind of an alternative way of living. You know, I started to eat less meat. Started, I completely cut out alcohol for a number of months. I think I didn't drink for six months. And I started to really take back my weekends, started hiking, uh, started like just really shifting uh, my lifestyle, my behaviors. And being in the holistic sphere, I very quickly heard about uh, psychedelics and plant medicine. And from that point, uh, there was kind of like no going back, uh, having these completely uh, transformative experiences uh, with, with plant medicine and ceremonies and uh, doing a lot of personal work. And yeah, really, really deeply resonated with uh, magic mushrooms, you know, um, and we're very fortunate that they grow all around Ireland in the winter. Uh, so it's probably, you know, part of our cultural heritage and it's our, I see it as our indigenous medicine. So um, I started, uh, yeah, really, really deeply working with psychedelics on a personal level. And it, it got to a, a kind of time where I felt that um I could hold this for, for other people based on uh, a lot of experience and doing research. You know, I think training as a scientist as well, I was able to really, you know, cut through all the, the bullshit and get straight to the, the, the good stuff, you know, the wisdom and find out what really worked for me and started to read about some of the, you know, the great teachers in the field, Stanislav Grof uh, and scientists, Roman Griffiths and, um, you know, Terence McKenna and reading, reading, reading um, as much as I could as, as an academic. It, it was no problem to me. Uh, so we, myself, my business partner, Rob Coffey, a great friend at the time, he was also on this journey uh, uh, a lot earlier than me. He's, a, he's 10 years older than me and uh, he's, he's a trained psychotherapist and transpersonal therapist. So we um, formed Inward Bound. Um, I think we're in our third year now. Yeah. And we started to hold uh, safe and legal retreats in the Netherlands using uh, extremely high doses of psilocybin for kind of um, uh, personal development, spirituality, uh, the mystical experience, therapeutic outcomes happen on our retreats. So um, it's been a really an amazing, amazing journey um, since we, we've we started this offering to the world. Um, but before that, myself and Rob had uh, set up men's groups and men's circles in, in Dublin. And uh, this was kind of like the, the stepping stone from working with, with men around psychedelic integration and altered states of consciousness then we 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 set up we set up inward bound, and now we're at a point where we've had hundreds of people through our retreats. We run retreats in the Netherlands, uh, also in Costa Rica, and then we run non psychedelic retreats in Ireland. These are kind of connection retreats where we do all the wonderful modalities that we've used in our own healing path and for like self exploration, breath work, yoga, meditation, ecstatic dance, singing circles, and uh, nature connection. Um, we hold those in Sligo every year, men's ones, women's ones, and then mixed ones. So it's it's been a really uh, a, a beautiful time to to work because this is really all starting to getting to into the public sphere, sphere and mental health and wellness. Um, and then we have a I have a, a few other little projects on the side too. You know, I coach men, mentor men, and uh, hold uh, circles online uh, around uh, magic mushrooms and microdosing and. Um, and conscious relating and intimacy and so it's it's a it's a really beautiful um uh, i suppose vocation almost i'll call it you know i i i'm just following my my passion and it's given me great fulfillment such a unique area because i think for a long time there has been a negative perception of potentially psychedelics and it's potentially from like media and stuff that has been perceived as a certain type of individual that will go down that route if you know what i mean um, can you explain what a psychedelic is 
And why do you think there has been that shift from the kind of like the negativity of it towards the positivity movement towards it? Yeah, great question. And I think, you know, if I think about myself, like I, if you met me 10 years ago, you would never have thought I would ever be doing this thing because it was so straight laced and, you know, scientists in Trinity College, like working away, trying to, you know, prove myself in there. And then my whole life did a complete 180, you know, and, and it just goes to, to show you the power of them for, for change, uh, for behavioral change, for personality change, um, and ultimately gets you closer to your authenticity and your true self, I feel. And um, so psychedelic um, comes from the word, uh, the Greek word. Um, yeah, it was, uh, uh, it's broken up and it means m- mind manifesting. So a psychedelic is a, um, a compound that creates an altered state of consciousness in your brain. So um, <clears throat> to differentiate, there's kind of people are using the term plant medicine a lot and, and then psychedelics. So plant medicines are generally psychoactive plants. So plants that have um, a compound in them that is psycho, uh, psychoactive, it creates this altered state of consciousness um, in, in, in the brain. And it's really hard to describe to people what it's like to take a psychedelic and um, because how your, your mind changes, there's nothing quite comparable to it. The only thing you can really, I can really um, say to, to people who have no idea about psychedelics is like, you know, when you drink alcohol, you have this little shift in your perception and you see the world a little bit differently and maybe you have uh, different thought patterns and that sort of stuff. But psychedelics are like that, but without a lot of the negatives, you know, like loss of control and over uh, overwhelming emotions and aggression and what, well, you know, a lot of these kind of, or sorrow, these kind of things that we get with the um, sadness that we get with, with, with alcohol and hangovers, <laughs> you know, and um, most psychedelics, there's no hangovers. So that's the really, the really beneficial. Big positive. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think in the last kind of number of years now, there's been a allowance um, for uh, scientists to research uh, psychedelics again. So in the sixties, and um, psychedelics and psychoactive substances were all really banned uh, due to the war on drugs. And this was embroiled in racist tension at the time in America and the counterculture and people dropping out of the Vietnam War. It was kind of the the, the kind of um, hippie culture and uh, flower power and all this like free love. And people didn't want to be fighting in the war and kind of capitalistic America were like, oh, we need to put a stop to this. And there was amazing research going going on in the in the sixties. You know, they were trying to figure out uh, what is psychosis by using psychedelics. What is uh, maybe schizophrenia helping people with PTSD, depression, anxiety at the time. And um, so there was a lot of amazing research being done, and this was all completely halted, and it was an absolute disaster. It's the first psychedelic renaissance, and you know because of maybe people misusing it and stealing it, stealing stuff from labs and, you know, a lot of high production of this stuff and uh, kind of negligence at the time. It was, it was really, there was a, a whole campaign, the war on drugs, you know, Nixon, Reagan started it, you know, say no to drugs, drugs are bad, all this sort of stuff, but like alcohol, tobaccos, that's cool. You can, you can keep consuming that. It's no problem, you know? And um, so, you know, psychedelics got a, a bad rap back then. And this is kind of like stayed in um, societal uh, sort of, consciousness like it's it stayed in our perception uh you know when people hear drugs it's like oh no and people have this idea of a person that is, is a drug user and it's quite negative all the time and um so you know we're at a time now where public perception is starting to change because science has been allowed to be done 
And the science is really showing that, you know, if people work with psychedelics in a safe and respectful manner, that they can get a lot of uh, benefits from them, not only um, healing, but also, you know, on the on the personal development aspect too. Uh, you know, people working on traumas, you know, um, and then people also working on mental health illnesses. There is amazing research coming out for people with eating disorder, OCD, um, you know, treatment resistant depression, you know, so people who've worked, who've taken SSRIs, uh, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, classically antidepressants, um, and that they don't work that, you know, if, if they're given a high dose of um, maybe uh, uh, psilocybin, the compound in magic mushrooms, that they they report feeling uh, more well and, and and better for an extended period of time. You know, they're still tracking people seven years later and they're still feeling a lot better. So we're at this really, really amazing time at the moment. And it, it, it's, it's, it's kind of like the psych- psychedelic renaissance uh, 2.0, you know, and, you know, put the public, they believe in science. A lot of um, our opinions are based on science and that's kind of how our society is structured. And there's just so much scientific evidence coming out now that it can't be ignored. It, it can't be ignored. Yeah. And, you know, what indigenous tribes have known for thousands of years and healers and, you know, shamans and curanderos and medicine people, they know they know that these work, they see it, you know, but maybe they haven't quantified it in the scientific Western model. So now that's happening and that's shifting public perception. So it's a really, really exciting time to, to be in this field. You alluded to kind of some of the research to help or to aid with eating disorders. Can you, because eating disorders are rampant right now, unfortunately, because there's there's people have suppressed a lot of emotions for a very long time. And it's like a, vein, a volcano has just erupted for many people. Can you kind of elaborate on a little bit more of the research kind of in relation to eating disorders and how it can aid or it can help those that, that suffer from it? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm not fully up to date on the, the whole, you know, there's yeah. so much stuff coming out at the moment and so many different studies. But uh, what I'd say it probably does on a sort of yeah emotional and um, and kind of a, a deeper level, it, 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 you know, psychedelics are non-specific amplifiers of your conscious state. So whatever is going on for you in your mind is going to be really, really amplified. So if, if, if you're, if you potentially have an eating disorder and that eating disorder is more than likely um, a mechanism so that you feel uh, safe in the world, maybe you feel control of, of, your, of, your, of your world, maybe it gives you some sense of relief. Um, it's, it's, it's um, you know, a, um, a coping mechanism, I think, uh, if, 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 if I'm, if I'm uh, correct, if I'm, if I'm wrong, please, somebody correct me out there. You know, um, so what it will do is it will allow you to get kind of to the root cause of maybe why you are behaving this way or why that is happening. And, you know, you'll start to feel those feelings and psychedelics allow you to drop into the subconscious mind. So the kind of the part of your mind that is is underneath your kind of conscious day to day activities where you know what's going on. And, you know, your subconscious mind is very alive in the dreams, in your dreams, where you kind of see images and past experiences and people and and places. Um, And, you know, patterns and habits are kind of operating out of our subconscious mind. So when we do a high dose of a psychedelic, it's the stuff that's in the subconscious can start to bubble up to the conscious mind. And you can actually see stuff or uh, remember stuff that maybe has been locked away in your mind that your ego has 
and you know protected yourself from because it's maybe it's very traumatic and maybe it's very challenging or maybe at that time in your life when you were a child or a young adult that it was it was too painful to actually uh, go through so you kind of suppress it so you know um it's really important when we work with psychedelics to do it in a safe and held manner with experienced people so that they can help you through, through this because there's huge kind of um um, um kind of problems if trauma uh, comes up and it's not held by you know pr- professional or, or, or trained uh, practitioners so you know and and it's not just for eating disorders but that's for for i think for most mental health illnesses and um, it's kind of like the general narrative that um you know it's maybe unprocessed emotions or 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 early uh lay down you know uh, defense mechanisms um, and I, I know from my, like, I can speak personally to myself, you know, I, I feel like, did I ever really have an, an, an eating disorder? Maybe I, you know, I potentially did in my early twenties when, um, I was really into the gym and I used to, you know, so a lot of your listeners might know this, you know, I used to like be really strict in my diet for like five days. And then on the weekend, I'd just absolutely binge. And for me, you know, that wasn't healthy. That really wasn't, that wasn't a healthy, <clears throat> healthy way of living. I did that for a number of years, probably four or five years. And, you know, sometimes I look back at the photos and I just go, oh my God, I'm like 75 kilos in that. And then I'm 95 kilos in that one. But there was no need for me to do that because I wasn't competing. I was just trying to, you know, prove myself or aesthetically look good. And definitely I, I know I had body dysmorphia. I always wanted it bigger. I always wanted to be slimmer. I was never happy with how my 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 body was when I looked in the mirror, you know, and it used to get me down and upset me. Uh, so that's why I used to have this like kind of rigid eating problem or so, you know, maybe it wasn't that, you know, a, a, a diagnosed uh, eating disorder, but I, I think, you know, a lot of young guys go through that, through that phase. Yeah. And you probably see this, that in your work. I've been through it myself. Like I did, I've done a fitness photo shoot for the aim of like almost like trying to get credit from other people to be in the fitness industry to do it. But I didn't look well. I was too, I got sick in 2017, fell into very dark, dark place. And it was too soon after that for me to kind of like almost accept the new me, if that makes any sense, doing it for the wrong place. But it is, I think, I think people think that body dysmorphia is potentially only for women but Mm. i think it's rife amongst men like if you look at social media right now if someone looks up at their feed all they're going to see is girls with big glutes and big quads lads with six packs and big arms and triceps kind of like it's not conducive how did you how did you kind of kind of like shift yourself away from that perspective of i need to be lean while big because it's it's kind of counterintuitive if you know what i mean yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, uh, for me, <clears throat> it happened all in around the time where, you know, I just started to love myself. I started to accept myself for who I was. I started to accept my shape and accept my kind of uh, capacity. You know, I, kn- I knew I was never going to be like, a, <laughs> you know, um, I don't know, an Olympic weightlifter because I was too tall. You know, I wasn't squatting off or, you know, um, I kind of just recognized my my body's capabilities uh, but then the main thing was that what psychedelics helped me were just getting healthy you know just feeling you know what feels healthy for me like is this healthy is this not healthy so I started to have more of an awareness around and um, you know trying to just take care of myself and not like abuse my body and um, so this was kind of the main thing and it kind of coincided as well with you know cutting out alcohol and eating less 
and less processed foods and less um you know bad meat and stuff you know so it was just kind of around this point where I was just like oh I need to start just looking after myself more so than trying to push myself or trying to make myself a certain way you know just accepting myself so ultimately acceptance self-love and um yeah I think I think that's it yeah yeah, no, so there is there is a very strong movement towards kind of like the self-love aspect. And then there's also the aspect of you, there's no point in trying to like hate yourself in order to get to the goal as well. I think it's somewhere in the middle where probably people need to sit of like almost a body neutrality thing that mm-hmm. people just need to almost like not hate themselves, not love themselves, but sometimes just accept themselves. And I think that's the hardest part is like we live in a world of like extremes. And when you say sit in the middle or sit in the fence, people are like, no, no, I must be one of the others. Like, no, no, sit in the middle. And I guarantee you'll feel I have a lot happier. Um, in relation to kind of like the different types of uses and effects of the different psychedelics, what are the kind of like the main ones, the mainstream ones that someone could source or the ones that are kind of like out there more readily? Yeah. Uh, so there's, there's lots of different, um, different kinds, but the, the main ones that are kind of being used in clinical trials at the moment will be um, uh, psilocybin. So this is the tryptamine com- compound that's found uh, within magic mushrooms. Um, there is uh, MDMA. So it's not really a traditional psychedelic, but it is kind of classed in, um, in, in with them. Uh, it's an empathogen. Uh, part of the phenethylamine class of um, compounds. And uh, then there's also uh, ketamine. So ketamine is being able to be used uh, legally because it's one of the WHO's top uh, 10 most essential medicines. Uh, so there's ketamine clinics all around the world that are already operating uh, because that has that was actually never uh, scheduled. So mo- most most of the research is, is um, being, being done on these. Um, but there's also... Uh, kind of non-clinical uh, research being done on um, ayahuasca, the, the psychedelic plant brew from uh, South America, uh, LSD as well. I'm, I'm not sure if they're really been using that in many clinical trials. I know they have um, done some studies with LSD in terms of pain tolerance and uh, some some interesting sort of stuff uh, and microdosing. Um, but but the the kind of the, the main one at, at the moment is really <clears throat> MDMA um, because it is uh, in phase three clinical trials now in the United States and they're training a lot of practitioners and MDMA is uh, really been seen to be really beneficial for people with um, mainly PTSD, uh, anxiety and depression and um, it's uh, yeah the 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 results of some of the trials are really incredible and they're using it a lot with uh, veterans so veterans who have gone to war and come home and had these you know really traumatic experiences happen work through them with trained therapists uh, and then also uh, psilocybin so uh, the really amazing thing about psilocybin is that it uh, binds a totally different receptor system in the brain compared to conventional uh, SSRIs so antidepressants so it, it binds this 5H2A uh, receptor system. So they're seeing people who have, you know, treatment-resistant depression where the SSRIs don't work, uh, that psilocybin binds a different part of the brain and it helps uh, helps their depression, helps their anxiety. So that's why we're hearing lots of things about psilocybin in clinical trials um, because it, it works really, really, really well for people. Um, and, you know, uh, also, you know, psilocybin is one of the most readily available psychedelics because it's from mushrooms. And uh, if you're lucky enough to live in a part of the world 
where uh, psychedelic mushrooms grow, you can just go ahead and pick them at that time of the year. So it's there, there's, um, yeah, there's no problems around, um, you know, dealing with street dealers or drug dealers, contamination of, of the substance. Uh, you know what you get because you pick it yourself or you can grow it yourself. So that's another really amazing way. You can order grow kits online um, and then you can grow them in, uh, yourself, you know, but just be aware that it is technically illegal once you have these in your hand and it's, you know, illegal. Um, so yeah, a lot, you know, mushrooms are one of the main ones because they're so readily available. And then also to mention uh, cannabis as, to, as well, you know, it's not taught as a, as a, as a traditional psychedelic, but, you know, really high doses of THC, uh, tetrahydrocannabinol, the, the main uh, psychoactive compound in cannabis is, uh, helping a lot of people with, you know, um, uh, glycoma, arthritis, uh, people who have seizures. Um, you know, there's uh, been an amazing, uh, campaign work been done around, uh, cannabis and it's been, it's been legalized in a lot of, a lot of States now, in the United States, I think Germany is one of the biggest European countries now to announce plans that they're going to legalize it, you know? So there's definitely a shift. There's a shift, a whole shift in public perception, you know, these substances, yes, we can all use them recreationally. You know, I'd say some listeners are hearing MDMA and ketamine. They're like, oh, that's what I take in the clubs or, you know, <laughs> some of my friends taking the clubs. Yeah. Yes. There's a whole, there's a whole recreational aspect to these substances and um, uh, with, with sort of, um, you know, consequences there if, if some of these are taken in unsafe manners or, you know, the substances aren't pure or, or what they, you know, what the, the street dealer says they are, you know, sometimes we, we get and it's not what it says on the tin. And that's when the problems happen. You know, we have these uh, young kids dropping dead in clubs because they're taking uh, PMA instead of MDMA or their acid is something else, MDMOE, and it's, you know, they're tripping for days and stuff like that. And they mix stuff with alcohol. So, you know, I think a, a large part of the industry can probably do really, really well if it's, you know, uh, legalized, taxed, if the education goes out, if stuff's controlled and you know what you're getting and you can meet somebody like similar in, 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 the, in the United States, you know, you can go in, you can meet a, a, bud, a bud tender as they're called, you know, and talk to the bud tender about the strain, how to, how to smoke it right and, you know, what the effects are and what you can expect. So, you know, I think a lot of the problems around psychedelics can probably be um, really combated with uh, good legislation. Do you think that's going to come into Ireland soon enough or do you kind of see it a little bit a while away or like, do you think we're like, because if you look at the way Ireland has progressed in the last, say, 20 years since like uh, the Roman Catholic Church has kind of like had less power over people, if you know what I mean. I'm not, if anyone's religious, I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying that like things have progressed with kind of like the gay referendums, the abortion stuff and all that kind of element of it. And it's amazing. Do you see us kind of shifting towards that in the next little while, or do you think it's a, a bit further along the line? Well, if we can look to how COVID went, you know, Ireland is ultra conservative still <laughs> when it comes to things. Um, and, and we really are, you know, like uh, <clears throat> the main thing is, you know, for me, I work at Psilocybin Magic Mushrooms and um, that, that's what we use in the Netherlands uh, because we can use them legally there. Um you know, hopefully someday we can work in Ireland and it's quite, you know, absolutely ridiculous that these are natural. They're from, they're from the, from the, you know, the hills of Wicklow or Dublin mountains. 
Um, and they were more than likely our indigenous plant medicine. So if people hear about ayahuasca and mescaline or San Pedro, peyote, wachuma from South America, you know, we have we have mushrooms here in Europe that are just as strong, just as uh, potent and beneficial. Um, but for myself, you know, and, and people who, who work with um, different types of psychedelics, we're looking at cannabis legislation. We're seeing, you know, uh, how that's going on in Ireland. Uh, there's amazing big networks, cannabis act- activist network and stuff like that are doing phenomenal work out there uh, trying to l- legislate for, for cannabis and they're pushing politicians and um, doing great work on the ground. We're kind of watching that, you know, and it, it's really taken a long time for them to get anywhere. You know, I think there's only one uh, medical cannabis license here in, Ar- in Ireland, you know, and I think it was like three years ago when, when the, I think the legislation got pushed through and, you know, to access that, that medicine is really expensive and uh, it's a bit of a disaster. And even, you know, people working with CBD and uh, that's very popular these days as well. And, um, you know, another um, compound from, from cannabis, non, non-psychoactive, you know, uh, there's, you know, been problems with that, you know, um, there's been problems with people selling that, and uh, people selling just um, uh, cannabis with just CBD and no THC, you know, that's been confiscated. And there's been some, um, you know, high profile sort of um, shops being you know, raided and having a really hard time with the authorities when they don't have anything that's psych- psychoactive, but just because it's contained in the cannabis plant that they're, they're kind of having uh, problems. So, you know, it's going to be a, a while, but I think public perception is changing. I think there might potentially be a, a citizen assembly on drug use uh, this year. So, you know, who knows, maybe we could be talking the next five to 10 years that we could have, you know, psilocybin retreats here in Ireland it would be amazing uh, to do it on our own home soil. But, you know, um, it's going to it's going to take people lobbying. It's going to take um, more people reducing the stigma around it and more education. And. Do you, is there anyone that you would kind of recommend to stay away from the likes of psychedelics? Because it's all well and good given the positive side of it, but we can't have a positive without a negative. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, good. Yeah, that's so true. And normally I always have my little spiel at the end of uh, <laughs> talks and stuff. But uh, I, yeah, I, I, I have to stress that, you know, psychedelics aren't, aren't a, uh, a, a golden bullet. They're not a... Um, they're not a, a cure for for stuff you know you have to do a lot of work and um there's some there's some uh, red flags out there that you know people shouldn't approach uh, psychedelics the main ones are you know if you have family history of uh, psychosis bipolar disorder schizophrenia you know uh, mental health illnesses in the family if you've been diagnosed with a mental health illness by you know a um, a medical professional then it's you know um you have to really err, err caution and potentially you mightn't be able to work with psychedelics. Um, types of psychedelics, you know, you can't mix them with uh, SSRI. Some, some uh, types of... Uh, careful, most people have to taper or come off psychedelics before working with them. So, you know, there is... you know, you uh, reduce your psychedelic or you reduce your, your SSRIs to a point where you're, you're, you're not, not taking them for a while and then you can work with psychedelics. So that's the kind of the industry standard for working with them in clinical trials and on retreats. 
Um, but, you know, doing this in conjunction with your therapist or GP. So you need the support, somebody who's uh, uh, experienced in the, in, the, in the field, like making sure you have somebody to talk to before and after your, you work with psychedelics. Because like, d- don't get me wrong, they can really bring up a lot. They can really shift a lot and they can be quite challenging and quite fearful and quite unsettling sometimes. So making sure you have a good support network, you know, somebody to uh, do some preparation work with you and then someone to do some integration work with you after the psychedelic experiences uh, is really beneficial. But, you know, they're not a, they're not a magic bullet. They're, they're not for everybody. Um, and that's why when we host our retreats, we have a really uh, in-depth uh, screening process. We have uh, an application form a pretty uh, hefty application form with lots of different questions. And then you will meet uh, with one of our team's uh, counsellors uh, before you come in the retreat to, to, to fully screen you and make sure you're in the right mental headspace. And um, like I was saying earlier, psychedelics, they're non-specific amplifiers of your conscious state. So if you're going through a breakup, job loss, if you've been you know diagnosed with something and you take a psychedelic, you're going to really feel that. You're going to really feel the fear, the grief, the sadness, the anger, and um, you're going to, it's going to be really, really intense, you know, and it could be really tough for some people. And that's a negative side. There's also the positive side where you feel the bliss and the joy and the happiness and the gratitude and love and, you know, wonderment. But, you know, just knowing where you're at, you know, and it's really great to to touch base with somebody and say, like, you know, do you think I'm ready for, for an experience like this? And having that support can make all the difference. And how is it used in kind of guided therapy and kind of have you got any tips of how it's how someone should go along in that process and tips and how to kind of like I'm not sure it's prepare the word, but you know what I mean? Yeah, no, yeah. It's um it's it's all about your your set setting and then knowing your substance. So your set is your mind mental, your mental headspace. So you're you're kind of um you're kind of what you're coming in with, you know. And we can use different practices or different tools and techniques to make sure that you're feeling balanced and stable, you know, yoga, meditation, exercise, uh, journaling, uh, using affirmations, working with intentions. So making sure you have a really good mental headspace going into to an experience and ultimately knowing why you're doing this, you know, it's why, why, why are you putting yourself through this? Um, why do you want this experience? What are you looking for? What do you want to get clear on? Uh, what do you want to decide on? You know, having a really good idea of um, why you're doing it can make a really big difference. So you're kind of pre-priming your subconscious mind. And then the environment, the setting. So making sure you're comfortable in the space that you're going to be taking them in. And, um, you know, we do everything we can on the retreat to make sure that people feel really held and uh, really um, cared for. So, you know, this word kind of holding space has been you know bashed around these days and like what really is that it's making sure people feel really safe and really supportive and really comfortable in a space because if you're feeling un- uncomfortable with 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 psychedelics um in your belly <laughs> or in your mind um you're going to feel that way worse you know what i mean you're going to feel really fearful you know your nervous system is on fight or flight you, you might start to panic you know and this is where people have these kind of challenging experiences or you know bad experiences where they feel really unsettled because they don't feel safe, you know, and if you don't feel safe, you know, that can be psychologically very damaging and, you know, safety can also be, you know, making sure your basic needs are being met. You know, you're brought to the bathroom, you have food, your blood sugars are doing good uh, you're hydrated. You're not too cold. You're not too warm. And, you know, making sure all these things are conducive to, uh, 
you feeling safe so that you can you can drop deep you know and if you want to go deep you know you need to feel really really safe and in relation to kind of like the emotions that people can feel everyone is completely different and everyone's feeling different things do you think as a society at the minute that we struggle to kind of start talking about kind of the likes of intimacy consent boundaries and pleasure like do you think that it's getting better and do you think that irish people struggle with it in general yeah you know i think you know uh for us i think as a society we're learning more and more about you know vulnerability and opening up and i think in in ireland it's it's a part of our culture that we sweep things under the rug you know that we don't talk about stuff um and you know for the likes of intimacy and pleasure you know i think we have uh, the catholic guilt and shame you know where we're told not to uh you know love our bodies or you know procreate for fun or you know enjoy pleasure for fun it's almost like sinful or shameful that's etched into our psyche um so you know i think some of these topics are kind of really taboo for people because they make them feel uncomfortable because they're not spoken about so you know a big part of my work uh with with men is working uh, on conscious relating working on intimacy you know if there's a problem in your relationship if you're if you're being challenged with something and uh, you know uh, how how can we how can we you know solve it you know i think a lot of these these things can be really easily solved if they're kind of hashed out with somebody if they're talked out with somebody there's different practices exercises you can use i think with you know the the poor death of um ashing murphy really tragic this week you know the whole um topic about consent is really uh, in the media again and about uh, behaviors between the sexes how we relate to each other you know and i see it as you know it's wounding it's like we we don't relate to each other in a conscious manner we're you know coming from a wounded place um and a a sad place ultimately i see it as or an angry place so you know i think if we have more and um, talk about you know how to act as consenting adults and how to behave um, in a more conscious manner i think we'll have a, a much healthier and happy happy society and ultimately listen to each other we need to listen start listening to each other you know as men i think we need to listen to 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 women uh, you know really deeply listen okay what are the problems how how can i contribute how can i take responsibility how can i um you know do my best as as a man in the world uh, in a conscious manner and treat other people with equality and treat you know treat people like you want to be treated you know um so i think hopefully we'll get to a, get to a place now with 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 um with this uh um poor girl's death and we we can start to have these open conversations and you know uh ultimately start to relate to each other in a more loving way i think what you've hit the nail on the head there in relation to that people have been kind of like suppressed and almost shamed for having feelings previously uh because it's just been the way that's been taught in ireland but i also think like there's massive research coming out now that like trauma is kind of generational so it goes from one generation to the next generation to the next generation so potentially that is elements to it i'm not condoning anyone's actions in any way particularly with what's going on at the minute with that with that uh poor girl's murder and stuff like that but do you think that when boundaries are the word boundaries are being mentioned to people 
they see it as a negative rather than a positive. And how do we change that language around it? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I think it's you know it's it's the education. You know, um, I do a workshop every so often on consent of boundaries, and I think the last one I, d- I did, I think you know, ten out of the the fifteen guys that were on that call just didn't know what their boundaries were. <laughs> you know, we have we have we have lots of different types of boundaries. We have you know emotional boundaries, we have physical boundaries, we have space boundaries, um, but ultimately knowing what your boundaries are. You know, if if another you know guy came up and like groped you you would instantly be like what the hell get away from me you know so like why is that behavior then sometimes acceptable for a man to do that towards a woman you know when if that very man who did that if he was groped he would lose lose the plot you know (laughs) so it's it's you know it's having having these conversations around knowing what your boundaries are what 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 makes you feel comfortable what makes you feel uncomfortable and then trying to see oh maybe the other the, the 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 other person maybe they have their boundaries too and maybe they have things that make them feel comfortable uncomfortable so for me, it's around communication. It's trying to articulate yourself, you know, and, and this is a big part of conscious relation, especially within intimacy and sexuality is having that conversation with your partner. Hey, what makes you feel good? What makes you feel safe? What, 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 uh, what touch do you like? Where do you like to be touched for how long? With what pressure, you know, and, you know, these, these open conversations we can start to have. And when we start to consciously relate can make it beneficial for, for both parties and, you know, there are simple tools and practices that I give people to, to work with their, their partners with to help open up that dialogue and to help open up the, the you know, the pleasure that we're, we're all allowed to feel and we're all allowed to experience, you know. And so, yeah, I think it's it's a, a big, big part in, in um, learning to articulate ourselves a little bit better and communicate our needs, wants and desires. And do you think enough is being done for men to have that like you're doing amazing work with the workshops you do and provide for for men and there's pat Tilly does amazing breathing workshops and there's there's josh Connolly and stuff like that as well do amazing stuff as well um but do you think enough is being done or provided to help and aid men with their mental health um i'm not trying to make this a gender specific mental health point or argument but i think men do struggle with this a lot i'm not saying more it's not a contest but do you think enough is being done to help aid mental health amongst men or do you what would you change yeah well i think there's absolutely 100 not enough being done at the moment because male suicide is at like nearly the highest it's been in, in years and especially in ireland we have some of the highest and um, male suicide numbers i remember i read the, i think it was the report from 2018 there recently and i was just jesus christ like that's so terrible you know the amount of uh, poor young guys uh, taking their own their own lives you know um yeah and i, I think as men uh, we do struggle a lot more with our emotions and our feelings you know learning to actually identify our emotions and feelings you know so if you're feeling a certain way all right what are you feeling is it grief is it sadness is it pain you know um is it sorrow like what's kind of going on for you you know and this is why and you know, all these great practices working with psychedelics breath work yoga meditation they allow us to drop into the body and go well i'm actually f- feeling a lot here and trying to then name it and then trying to you know use an antidote to it you know or use a a practice to to help reduce it you know i think there there absolutely should be more mental health services out there um uh, across the board uh, especially in the last two years with uh, the pandemic has really, you know, really, really crucified a lot of people 
um, and their mental health. And yeah, you're right. It's it's not just men; it's, it's also women too. Uh, but the statistics shows that, like you know, ma- more males uh, commit or are taken by suicide. So um, yeah, I think there there needs to be there needs to be really more done. And it's great that you know yourself having me on your podcast and trying to get this these messages out to guys. You know that if you're if you're not feeling good, you know, just reach out to somebody. Uh, this, there's amazing support networks there. Uh, don't suffer in silence don't suffer alone you know and also reach out to your other mates if you haven't heard from a friend for a while he's you know missing meetups he's late all the time you're you're you know not hearing from him often just reach out drop him a message see if he's okay and um, you know it's 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 totally fine to to let someone know that you're not feeling okay you know and you know not to see um a lot of these emotions as bad they're just telling us something you know if you have a lot of anger that's telling you something maybe you're not happy with the way your life's going if you have a lot of sadness maybe you know there's something that you need to grieve or there's something that you need to give space and um, you know these these emotions that we have that society has labeled bad aren't necessarily bad they're just trying to point out something a little bit deeper that you know we we need to look at and when we do, we get closer to our authenticity. We get closer to our truth. We get closer to, um, you know, I, I find our, our finding our passion, finding our fulfillment, finding our purpose. So, um, you know, and it, it starts with just a bit of reflection, slowing down, stopping and looking inward. And when you've said there about pausing and stopping, I think that scare, would scare an awful lot of people listening to this, that they would be like, well, I can't stop. I was like, you can't stop. Because at some point the volcano is going to erupt, you'll get sick. Or like, like me, I ran myself into the ground last year, and that's why I got a chest infection now. Yeah, it's kind of like the body, the body keeps the score. The body needs to be able to recover and recuperate. And I think being able to pause and kind of reevaluate things and actually live by your values, because I think too many people right now live by everyone else's values, <clears throat> are looking to please everyone else first but you can't pour from an empty cup. You have to put your own oxygen mask on before you serve everyone else. Like your job isn't to please everyone else. It has to be to serve yourself. And sometimes that can come across selfish or am I, am I wrong there? No, absolutely. No, that that, Shane, you absolutely hit it on the head there. I think that should be the highlight for the podcast. Um, (laughs) But yeah, no, you're totally right. Like look at it this way, you know, for, for a lot of listeners, you probably take your Sunday or Saturday off work in the body so like, are you taking a day off to, you know, relax the mind? Are you completely unwinding? Are you like, you know, not checking emails? Are you, you know, reading something that you find interesting? Are you just going out for a walk and just just standing in the woods and not scrolling on your phone or being stimulated, like, you know, and uh, stimulated or stimulated by, by something, you know? So it, it's... It, we hear a lot about this, you know, moving from um, doing into being, you know, we're not human doings, we're human beings. So, you know, we need to be more. <laughs> I love <laughs> kind of that. Cheesy, but it's so true. Like, yeah, w- w- once you get that, though, you know, when I did my first 10-day silent retreat in India, you know, I was re- I was really, you know, you're you're in this environment where you're kind of, you're, you're forced, you know. You're not forced. You can leave at any time, although it's strictly uh, kind of frowned upon if you just bounce out after a few days. But, you know, just if you just be and just sit there, you can really drop into amazing spaces of uh, happiness and gratitude and, you know, um, looking at uh, your life in a, in a different way and, and really understanding 
that you know life is actually really really beautiful and it does you potentially have a lot going for yourself if you strip everything away so you know having this this silence and having this space for yourself is uh, essential i see it as a as a need for myself that in 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 my life in my relationships space is a need i need time to go out to the woods i need to go out for a walk i need to just be by myself and recharge my batteries refill my cup like you said and i think you know as as particularly men we we used to get that a lot you know but now we don't you know we were we're stuck in the concrete jungle where as men we used to go out hunting we go out to the cave we go out to the woods we go out on vision quests we go out on missions you know that doesn't happen so often you know uh, anymore you know people aren't giving themselves that time and space to just go off you know and um just be with their mind and you know for me personally when i do that some of my best ideas some of my best visions come true some of my best uh, understandings of myself and what i want to give to the world and you know getting clarity on issues and problems do come up you know and you know it's 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 really it's a really uh, great space to be in I'm, I'm very thankful for being able to kind of have this open and honest conversation uh, with yourself. And thank you so much for, for sharing your story. Thank you for so much for sharing all the information that you have as well. Where can people work with you on a mentorship wise? Where can people work with you on the workshops when they come available again? Uh, and where can people find out about yourself on um, social media and websites? Yeah. So, you know, the bulk of my communications through Instagram these days, just you know how the world is. So at uh, Dar Stewie, uh, people can, you know, drop me a DM there on Instagram to come on, you know, uh, to, to do some one-to-one work. Um, I have uh, the website for the retreats in the Netherlands is uh, inwardbound.nl. And here in, in Ireland, if you, if you want to come on one of the connection retreats that we'll be hosting over the summer, our men's retreats, you know, 30 guys coming together to, uh, you know, get in touch with their masculinity, masculinity in a healthy way. And also, um, you know, self-expression and, and, and brotherhood. So th- those, those retreats will be happening too. And um, definitely uh, drop me a message if you want to come along to one of them. And yeah, I, I post most stuff on, on Instagram. I have an, my own personal website, innerwork.ie. Uh, where I, I posted at the seminars, I have a mailing list that I, you know, send out my microdosing um, tips and seminars and magic and mushroom seminar as well. So, Amazing, yeah. Uh, no, and guys, I would, I would definitely give uh, Dara a, a message or a DM if you want, if you're interested in finding out a little bit more. Um, but I think it's important to kind of put the caveat out. This is not to outdo medical advice that you've been provided. I always have to put that caveat out there. Okay. Uh, but Dara. Thank you so much for coming on and uh, sharing all the information you have. Yeah, absolute pleasure, Shane. Thanks for giving me the platform to share this beautiful work. Thank you so much.